Tanner, and welcome to the Oxano Podcast. Oxano is a worship service for college students and young adults that takes place weekly during the school year at Dawson Family of Faith. If you're ever in Birmingham, Alabama on a Tuesday night, we hope you'll join us as we worship through song, prayer, and the Word. Thanks for listening. Tonight, our scripture reading is from the book of Exodus, chapter 16, starting in verse 2. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. In the evening, quail came up and gathered the camp, and in the morning, dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness like fine, flake like thing fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is this? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's good to be back with you all this evening. Uh, I was away last week for a good reason. I am now the father of two beautiful little boys. So right there, yeah, you guys can see uh, that is Will, and we are just, uh, so many of you asked beforehand, how's the baby, how's Becca, and so I was like, I gotta run up here and just put a picture up there, you know, do the whole dad thing, I don't have pictures in the wallet anymore, but I have them on my phone, and so you guys can see that, but they are doing incredibly well. My mother-in-law's in town, so we called in the cavalry so that I could be able to be over here with you guys again tonight, Only could only stay away. For one week. But tonight we're going to be picking up again in our series pattern, a series on prayer. And so if you're joining us for the first time tonight, what we've been doing is we have been going line by line, walking through the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he's telling his disciples, Pray then like this Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And tonight we come to this next line. Give us this day our daily bread. And I I come to this particular line. I mean, you probably have said the Lord's Prayer a a number of times. Maybe you were on a sports team that you guys said it ad nauseum before, uh, you know, after warm-ups, getting ready to go back out the tunnel, doing something like that. Uh, Maybe you prayed it, that you learned it, you went to Christian school growing up, you said this. Maybe your family said this before mealtimes or family devotionals, different things like that. But we go through, and yeah, we get to our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Good, good, I can pray that. But then we get to this line. Give us this day our daily bread. And as I get to this line in the prayer, uh, something in me has to pause for just a second. Because I get to this line, and I'm like, is this something that I, in 21st century America, the land of opportunity and excess, Is this something that I still need to pray for here today? Is this portion of God's word still here for me today? Does this have staying power? Is this relevant to my life? Is this something that I need to fold in and to implement? 
And as we, I mean, you know, we go around and we have access to bread everywhere. I mean, you just go to the grocery store. I mean, you're bombarded with choices. White bread, wheat bread, new white wheat bread, honey wheat bread, five grain, whole grain, ancient grain, sourdough, ciabatta. The list goes on and on. Like, you get it for free at Macaroni Grill or the Olive Garden, y'all. Like those breadsticks, Alfredo sauce. You get uh, the Cracker Barrel biscuits. You have to ask for them now, though, pro tip. But you can get those still. Like, they give it away for free at certain restaurants. It's the first thing to fly off the shelves in an impending snowstorm here. Can I get an amen? Like something about that loaf bread and milk, you've just got to get it. The world can go this way or that way, but as long as you got that loaf bread and milk, somehow you're safe. You know, it's one of those things like we have access to bread a lot like we have access to running water. So do we still here today need to pray, give us this day our daily bread? I'm hopeful by the end of our time together tonight that you will not just be able to say yes because it's what we're supposed to pray. But you will say yes because you will realize your tremendous need for daily bread. And so as we come together and as we look, as Jesus is teaching his disciples, pray then like this, give us this day our daily bread. As Jesus is standing there and teaching his disciples, as he is speaking into that ancient Near Eastern locale, the Jewish people would have instantly recalled this sweeping story of traveling nomads and the bestowal of this strange and unexpected gift. A time when God himself gave his people daily bread. And so tonight we're going to be in Exodus chapter 16 and so as Cole so wonderfully read for us just a moment ago, you can follow along in your copy of God's word or the scriptures will be on the screen. But you see, Leading up to Exodus chapter 16, God had made a covenant with this guy named Abraham. He's going to make him a great nation. He's going to give him numerous descendants, and his descendants are going to be inhabiting this land, the promised land. But it was going to be a long time before that was actually going to come to fruition. Abraham would not see it. And in fact, his descendants, they would multiply, they would grow, they would increase, but they would actually be enslaved in a foreign land before they were able to occupy this. And so God, he raises up, after his people are proliferating in Egypt, he raises up a criminal refugee named Moses who had been on the run. And God intersects Moses' life at a burning bush. And we can read in Exodus chapter 3, when God is telling Moses, hey, you're going to go back and you're going to say to Pharaoh, let my people go. Moses, he starts backpilling, he said, Moses, verse 13, said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? But God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. That right here, at this pivotal point in redemptive history, God has for the first time revealed his personal covenantal name to Moses. And God's personal covenantal name is I am, is Yahweh. And Yahweh, meaning I am, taken from the Hebrew verb to be, it's significant for many reasons. That he is not bound by time. He's not just relegated to the past. He's not just looked to in the future. But he is over all and in all. That he is high and lofty. He is transcendent. But he is gentle and lowly. And he is imminent. That he is I am. 
In him we all live and move and have our being. He is the one who was, is, and is to come. He is I am. And fun fact, a lot of you might know this, but some of you might not. It floored me with the first time I learned this. Anytime in your Bible reading, you see in the Old Testament the word LORD in all caps. That is a translation decision trying to communicate to you. This is when God's personal covenantal name is used. That Yes, there are words for God, there are a multitude of words for God in Greek and in Hebrew, but in the Old Testament, that whenever you see Lord in all caps, that is a marker, that is highlight for you that this is God's personal covenantal name that he revealed to Moses and that the people of God knew him by Yahweh or Jehovah, different takes on the Hebrew verb point, like vowel pointings and all that kind of stuff. Either is fine, but for the purposes of this sermon, you're going to hear Yahweh over and over again. Sound good? So we're going through God's personal covenantal name is Yahweh, I am. And so Yahweh calls out to Moses, and after a long bout of plagues and back and forth, the splitting of the Red Sea, the defeat of all of Israel's enemies, Yahweh's people are in the wilderness. They're on their way to the promised land, but it is taking God's chosen people just a little bit longer to get there than they would have liked. And so God's people start grumbling. But it's not the grumbling of their stomachs that God hears, but it's actually the grumbling of their mouths. Follow along in Exodus 16, starting in verse 2. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Things start escalating quickly, y'all. People are hangry up in here. Like, there is, the tensions are high, you know, the tummies are empty. Like, they are needing some food, and they turn on the leaders. And it's so funny because they forget the way that God had just provided for them and acted on their behalf on an ocean-sized scale. And all they can see is their immediate circumstance and think, that God just brought them out into the wilderness because there weren't enough graves in Egypt. And you see, the thing about it is, like, I, I like Israel and so fickle. Like, I can't just stand over and above Israel and be like, oh my gosh, this is where you guys did this, did that wrong, all this, that bit. Like, I am Israel. That I'm, I'm so fickle that sometimes I forget how God has acted so faithfully in my past and I am just overcome by the pressures, by the anxieties of these circumstances here and now. That I think that this is all there is. That the Lord has brought me out of Egypt just to kill me in the promised land. In the wilderness, rather. But God has not brought his people this far to abandon them. And God has not brought you this far to abandon you. Because God, what he is trying to do and he is to call them to remembrance. And for us, as God's people, we must remember how God has worked in the past so that we are not carried away by the difficult present. Because if all you are seeing is what is right in front of you, if the problems of your heart and of your life are enlarged so close to here, but you can't see everything else that's out there around you, or you can't see or remember back for how God has acted on your behalf, you will be carried away by the difficult present. But when we have that blessed perspective from God time and again, where he reminds us that we are delivered by his hand, 
But even when they were carried away, the Lord was patient with this fledgling nation. He hears their grumbling, and what he does next is anything but abandon them. He is patient and he is kind. Look in verse 4, Exodus 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And he does it. Verse 13, in the evening quail came up, covered the camp, and in the morning dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. And when the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This event God's provision right here, if it shows me anything, it shows me the Lord's extreme distaste for low-carb diets. (laughs) I mean, he gives us bread in this wonderful, delicious bread that he rains on the ground. I think sometimes we can become so familiar in church world that maybe you did the coloring sheets, maybe you heard this growing up, but you're like, oh yeah, manna in the wilderness, yeah, on the ground. But like, this does not happen. This did not happen up until that point. That they're going here and they go out in the morning and there is bread on the ground like dew on the grass. And God has provided for his people right here and this word can be heard all over the camp. Manna. Manna. Because manna in Hebrew means what is it? So when they're going around and they're saying what is it? What is it? Manna, the name stuck. The people of Israel called this bread manna. And you know, I'm sure that there were some kiddos that were there. Like, I mean, I got kiddos. You know, being able to think through what. I'm just picturing Thomas, what he would be doing out there. Like, I mean, he'd be trying to like make a, a, a snowman out of bread or something like that. You know, trying to bring it all together real quick and go and gather all of this together. And so, like, kiddos being like, "What is it? What is it? What is it? Like, this is great." But I can't help but think that there were probably some older folks that were there. That would have been a little bit more like me, and they would have been like, what is this? What is this? Like, I mean, we're in an agrarian society. Like, I mean, if the Lord really wanted to provide for us, if he really wanted to protect us and nourish us, like, I mean, he would have given us some seeds. I mean, we could have planted something. We could have become self-sufficient. He could have given us some livestock. We could have tried, you know, different breeding programs. We could have tried to have some long-term self-sufficiency, be able to build a system, be able to rely on ourselves a little bit. But, like, I mean, this, we have to come out and gather this every single day. What is this? What is this? But you see, God right here in this moment, he didn't give them what they expected. But he gave them what they truly needed. Because God doesn't always give us what we expect or what we think is best. But God gives us, rather, what we truly need. So there was a time I was, like so many young guys, I played baseball growing up, you know, from t-ball all the way up to high school, all this other kind of stuff. Loved baseball. And my knees don't right now, but I mean, it was great at the time. Right, and so I was going through playing baseball, and like any kid playing baseball, I wanted to be the kid to hit the home run, to hit the homer, right? Be able to launch that ball, exert my dominance, and say, it's over the fence, somebody's got to go get it, and I'm going to put it on my shelf, right? You know, I wanted to be able to be that guy, but I I just could never muscle my way over the fence. And so, I mean, I was a big kid, I would try to swing my weight into the ball, and like, I would fly out to deep left sometimes, there was one time I hit the fence, and I was like, oh, so close, you know, being able to, I just wanted to hit the home run, and so, I mean, I had like, 
I'm a big gearhead. Like, with whatever I'm doing, I want to have the best gear. Like, it's so one of those things, like, I want to have the jerseys. I want to have the bag. I want to have all of the stuff. Like, I did wrestling one year in middle school. Not because, I, I mean, it was the worst year of my life. But, like, I did that, but just so that I could get the gear that repped my school on there. And it was the first sport that you could play in middle school. And I was like, I want the gear. And so, like, I had my pride and joy. The TPX Omaha Gold. Like, this baseball bat was my pride and joy. Everybody on the team wanted to use this bat. Like, it would just go down the line. Everybody going up there using the bat. And it was this big barreled bat. I was a big kid. I needed a big bat. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to use this. And for me to be able to launch this ball over that fence, I need the biggest barreled bat as possible. But because everybody used the bat, it lost its pop real quick. Like, the metallic bats, they can lose their bat, their pop real quick. So I was like, well, i got to go to a my favorite sporting goods store, Romeo Sporting Goods, still over in Crestwood to this day. Like, and I was like, I've got to go get me a new bat. And I know exactly what I need. I need another TPX Omaha Gold, please. And so I trot in there thinking I'm going to be getting me my next TPX Omaha Gold. I run over there, take it off the rack. And my dad, who's with me, he didn't follow me. I'm like, Dad, where are you at? Like, I mean, we got to be able to get the TPX Omaha Gold. Like, I know what I need. And my dad, he had the nerve to go to the skinny barrel section of Romeo Sporting Goods. I was like, Dad, we can't be seen over there. We, we can't be seen in the skinny barrel bat section. Like, what am I going to do? I'm a big kid up there. I'm going to be able to swing a little stick. Why do, you, why do you have a neon orange two-piece bat? Like, what on earth? Like, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to be laughed off the diamond. Like, I, this cannot be. I need the TPX Omaha gold, please. But he who, money, who, he who holds the money makes the decisions. And I walked out of Romeo Sporting Goods that day with a neon orange connection skinny barrel bat and walking the whole way to the car I'm just like what is this manna I was a very spiritual kid and I was like what is this and I'm like but wouldn't you know the very next week is the week that I hit my first home run because you see what I could not comprehend at that time was bat speed the bigger the bat the slower it was to get around but what I needed to do was to be able to get from point A to point B as quickly as possible. And my father, who had done the research and who had talked to people, they were much more knowledgeable than me, had said, this is actually what you need to be able to do what you want to be able to do. And I don't share that story with you in kind of like a Philippians 4.13 kind of way. Like, I can do all things like hit a home run through Christ who strengthens me. Like, for some of us, it's just not in the cards, right? But for what we're trying to do, like, could it be that in a similar way that it was for me, that wherever you're at right now, God might be in the process of giving you something that maybe you don't expect, but something that you truly need. Maybe something that you wouldn't draw up for yourself, but something that the Lord is going to be given to you and that you will only be able to turn around and look back on and praise him in retrospect. It was the great Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard that said, life must be lived forward and can only be understood backward. That a lot of times in the middle of God's providence, you don't realize what's going on, but you can turn around and you can look back and you can say, praise God. Praise God that he did that for me that I didn't realize he was doing for me. <laughs> praise God that he didn't give that to me that I kept so asking so fervently for. Because we serve a God who knows, who cares, and who acts on his people's behalf. We serve a God who gives us good gifts because he himself is good. Look at verse 31. Even in the description of the manna, Moses can only write down to describe what it was like. 
They had nothing of this, they had known nothing of this heavenly kind of bread. Exodus 16:31. Now the house of Israel called its name manna, and it was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. You see, in ancient times, we're removed, obviously. Time-wise, geography-wise, we're removed from this text. But in ancient times, the refining of sugar had not been yet developed. Like, you couldn't pound pixie sticks or anything like that at that point. Like, sweet things. The only way that you made something sweet was if you added fruit compote to it or you added honey. And so when Moses, he is writing the description of manna, and he says, the only thing, it's just like, it's like coriander seed white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. It was tantamount to saying that it was the most delicious food imaginable. God gives his people good gifts. But we can doubt this sometimes. We feel the need to take the burden upon ourselves. Like We doubt God's goodness. We doubt that he's there. We doubt that he cares. We doubt that he will provide. And I... Some of you might be looking at what's in your life right now, and you're thinking, what is this? And I can't begin to, from the platform, be able to articulate for each and every one of you how the Lord and his providence will be able to use every single one of those things. But I can encourage you to do this. Trust the Lord that he knows what's best for you. And trust the Lord that he will act on your behalf. Because I can tell you this, based on the authority of God's word, he doesn't always give us what we want, but what we need. And I can tell you this, Yahweh always provides. Yahweh always provides. But how does Yahweh provide? Well, Yahweh, he provides for our physical needs. Like, he provides the food like he did with Israel that we eat. I mean, and y'all, this is so often reflected in our prayers before meals, is it not? Like, thank you, God, for this food that you have given us. And heaven forbid that we are ever lulled into self-sufficiency that you are able to say, like, I don't need to thank God for this food. I did the work for school that got the diploma, that got me the job, that got me the paycheck, that enabled me to be able to go to Publix or the Piggly Wiggly, and I was able to get this bread, I was able to get that hamburger, I was able to go over here to Taco Bell and get this or that from the drive-thru, and I got this because of my own sufficiency. You might have been able to, you, you did the work, you got the job, you went to the store, you purchased with money, Or maybe someone else had gifted it to you, but we can trace it all back. When we claw down to the very bottom, and when we trace the line of providence to its very source, all of it begins with God. And the Lord provides for us in our physical needs. But think about this for a moment. What if the Lord wants to use you to answer this prayer that someone else is praying? If someone else, maybe you're not struggling with daily bread. Maybe you're like, oh, my physical needs are taken care of. Like, I don't need to pray for this daily bread regarding my physical needs. But what if the Lord could use you to be able to answer that prayer for someone else? Whether you're giving them that physical meal before them, what if you are God's providence in their lives, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our cities? He works in multiple ways. But the Lord takes great delight in using us. And you might be the means by which Yahweh is always providing. So he provides for our physical needs, but not just that. He also provides for our spiritual needs. But it's not just physical food he provides. Scripture shows us elsewhere that in the same way God feeds us physically, he feeds us spiritually. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 8, a little bit later in the Torah. And he humbled you. This is Moses writing, he humbled you, Israel, and let you hunger, 
and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You see, the manna, it was a pointer to something else beyond itself. It right here, there's something else that sustains us, something even more, and it's the very words of the Lord, the very words of God. And I'm thankful to be a part of a church that recognizes the importance of being in God's word. And y'all, it's not legalism. It's not legalistic for me to tell you it's a good idea to eat food every day. It's just something that we need to be able to do to survive. And in a similar way, it's something for us to be able to say, you need to be in God's word every day. And y'all, it is not too late to start. For you to be able to, from this point forward, for the remainder of this semester, for the remainder of this year, for our working folks, to, I would encourage you to be in God's word daily. There are a multitude of plans. But I would encourage you to feast on God's word that he has so graciously given to us. It's necessary for your survival, but not just that. It's necessary for your joy. It's not like I'm telling you (laughs) to come over here and just eat your vegetables. It's good for you. But this is something that your soul needs, and it can satisfy you. It's one of the means by which God can satisfy us with good things. So Yahweh provides for our spiritual needs. And this is the very same passage, Deuteronomy chapter 8, that Jesus will quote to the devil when he's being tempted in the wilderness, right? When he says, turn this stone into bread. And Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. This, Jesus knew, was more elemental. This was more pressing. This was more essential. This was his daily bread. He knew he needed it, and he wants his disciples to know that you need it too. That we are invited into this gift that he has graciously given us. And that is why he told them to pray in this way. He encouraged them to pray for daily bread, for real bread, physical needs, to pray for real food, but also for sustenance through God's word. And when we read God's word, when we feast on this bread daily, what is it that we are supposed to see? And it's the last way in which Yahweh always provides. Yahweh always provides for our greatest need. Because you see, there was another time that this daily bread was talked about in Scripture. It was in John chapter 6. Jesus, he had just fed the 5,000, but that was just when they were counting the men. When you add the women and children in there, scholars would speculate it was closer to probably 20,000 people that were there. Regardless, I mean, this is an incredible miracle. With bread and fish, he fed them the crowds that were following him, and they wanted more. So they were pressing Jesus for a sign and even got spiritual on him, right? They were trying to Jesus, Jesus. And so they were coming up on him, and they said in John 6, 30, They said to him, so what sign do you do for us that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers, they ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. They're angling for some more food, y'all. They're like, yes, this happened way back then. You're going to show us a sign? But Jesus responds in this way, and it will show you the ultimate way in which Yahweh always provides. Verse 32, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. But my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He is the bread. 
He is the provision. He is the sustenance. He is God. He is the one who provides. Jesus is the I am. And Jesus says that before Abraham was, not I was, but in John 8, 58, he says, I am. Jesus is the I am. He is the one who is provider and the one who is the ultimate provision. Jesus, he is the one that scripture has been pointing to who has been providing all along. Because of Jesus, we know that Yahweh always provides. This has been the story through all of scripture. That in the garden, Yahweh provided the animal skins to cover Adam and Eve in their shame. Yahweh provided the covenant to Abraham to make him a great nation. Yahweh provided the ram in the thicket for Isaac to preserve the covenant. Yahweh provided Moses to be able to, lead, to deliver his people from Egypt. Yahweh provided manna in the wilderness to nourish his people. And Yahweh provided the Son of God in the stable. And Yahweh provided the Son of God with sinners. Yahweh provided the Son of God in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yahweh provided the Son of God on the cross and in the tomb and resurrected and ascended. And who will one day come back? Yahweh always provides. That we see that He is the covenant-making and the covenant-keeping God. He heard the cry. And he delivered up his son. And that Jesus came in full agreement with the Father to live the life that you and I could not live. Died the death that you and I deserve to die. All so that we could be brought back together with him. That Yahweh in providing for us, he has guaranteed forever our place by his side in the new heavens and the new earth. For all that repent and believe, who turn and trust, who put all of their hopes in Jesus. We can be eternally safe. We can be eternally secure. We can have eternal life. That this is the provision of God. That we can turn away and stop pursuing dead end ways of living. But that we can have life and life abundant. Not that's filled with more stuff or more acclaim or more recognition, but with Him. That he is the provision that everything else in this world could be stripped away, taken from us. And we have Jesus and we have everything. For Yahweh always provides. And so when we come to this line in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Is it a prayer that we hear in 21st century America that we should still pray? Yes. When we come to it and we say, give us this day our daily bread, we're saying, Lord, please give me the food, the physical food that I need for today. That God cares about you and your physical well-being. And he might actually use you as a means to answer that same prayer that someone else is praying. That when we come, he is, we give us this day our daily bread, we are praying, God, feed me spiritually. As you're coming together day by day to read from God's word, it might be a good practice before you open up and you start reading to say, Father, give me today my daily bread. Feed me. Feed my soul. I need to be nourished by you. And as you're doing so, give us this day our daily bread. Remember that he is pointing you to your greatest need, that 
today and every day, I need Jesus. I need the bread of life. I need the one who said, if you come to me, you will never hunger. If you come to me, you will never thirst. My soul needs that kind of satisfaction. Give us this day our daily bread. And we look forward to the day when we're no longer praying this prayer. Because one day we will be in the presence of the Lord at the marriage supper of the Lamb with the bread of life himself. And we will be feasting with saints from centuries past and unknown ones from ones to come. And we will be with him and we will see him and we will be like him. For we shall see him as he truly is. And we will give him all the praise for Yahweh always provides. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we need you to provide. We confess that we can't do it on our own, that we can't satisfy those deepest needs, that in all of our seeking, that in all of our wandering, God, that it is ultimately you that we're looking for. You watch and that you wait. Father, we pray that you would call, that you'd be near, and that you'd provide richly for everyone in this hearing. Lord, we need you. Help us never to forget. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Oxano Podcast. If you want more information on the songs that we sing at Oxano, you can find us on Spotify at Oxano Songs We Sing. If you have more questions about what it means to follow Jesus or about next steps in following him, please email us at connect at dawsonchurch.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.